Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to My Independence Report. My name is Kevin McDonald, and uh, you're in for a real, real good treat today because we've got a, uh, an incredible individual with us today who's going to teach me how not to smoke anymore before it kills me. And I know that a lot of you are in the same boat as I am, and you've been smoking a while, and and um, not only is it expensive, I can't believe it. When I first started, cigarettes were 55 cents a pack. Now they're $10 a pack. So it's, it's, it's completely different. And, and was, so in that vein, we wanted to bring to you a guest who is uh, very uh, adept at this. He's actually called the Cigarette Whisperer. His name is Rocky Rosen, and he is with us right now. Rock, how you doing? I'm doing good, Kevin. How are you, my friend? I'm doing awesome, thank you. I'm glad we finally got together. This, this segment is going to be very important and very impactful for at least me <laughs> it may be for somebody else too i'm humbled and i hope so so we'll see where we go exactly so so tell me you were you were a smoker at one time and you actually were better than me you were a two pack a day guy i've okay. i've always been probably a one pack a day guy that certainly doesn't make me better but that's the way it was i was uh, i spent i started smoking when i was about 13 by the time I was 21, I was having really obvious external side effects. I have a, I'm always catching colds, tonsillitis. I'm easily winded, and I have one of the worst smokers' coughs you'd ever heard. My my cough would announce me. I, uh, I remember going to see the third Star Wars movie in the series of Star Wars films. I looked up recently; it was 1983, and I sat at Grumman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood on opening night, one of the gr grandest theaters in the United States. Everybody, Grumman's Chinese is where the stars put their handprints and in footprints in the uh, cement and they sign their name in the cement. And I got a phone call the day after from a friend of mine going, hey, Rocky, did you see Star Wars Star Wars last night? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I knew that was you. I could hear you coughing. Oh, boy. And I could think to myself was, my God, John Williams and George Lucas in this huge auditorium cannot drown in the fact to somebody that'd be sitting here coughing. Um, and the truth is, it just kicked my ass smoking. So it took me about 13 more years to finally get free. I, I use for myself, the best way to describe it is a positive cognitive uh, therapeutic approach. Most stop smoking programs, Kevin, try to convince people two things. One is that you don't want to smoke anymore and two is that you have to stop. And as we're talking about you feeling like you need to stop smoke about stopping smoking, I'm willing to bet you've heard in your head, I got to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Ever hear that? Uh, occasionally. Let's break, down, let's break it down to one at a time. Ever heard in your mind, I have to stop smoking. Oh, that, that I yeah, all the time. Yeah. How long have you been hearing that? Uh, since I restarted about eight years ago. Yeah. But what do you still do? I still smoke. 
So the truth isn't that you have to stop. You don't have to stop. You may hate yourself. Your health may suffer. And cigarettes can come along and kick your ass in a way that you cannot dream about getting your ass kicked. But you do not have to stop smoking. If you had to stop, you already would have. So what I do is I teach people, one, how to get comfortable with urges instead of always trying to fight, ignore, and hate those urges. Because the other part of the lie is we tell ourselves, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to smoke anymore. How long have you been telling yourself, I don't want to do this anymore? Um, well, since it's really, since it started to impact my health. And what do you still do? I still smoke. So the truth about you and me is not that we don't want to smoke. The real truth at times, I do want to smoke. I just don't want to suffer the consequences. Yes. If smoking was inconsequential, I never would have attempted to stop in the first place. But stopping smoking is incredibly consequential, and smoking is incredibly consequential. So as I always tell my clients, I don't teach people how to get how to quit. I teach people how to get free. And let me tell you the difference of quitting and being free. Um, the three words in the English language I, I hate the most is when somebody tells me, hey, I quit smoking. No problem. The three words, I quit smoking. The four words I have the most sympathy for is when somebody goes, I must quit smoking. Um, my whole approach, Kevin, is really simple. I teach people how to get comfortable being just a little bit uncomfortable. Instead of staying uncomfortable, being uncomfortable. Because you and I both know on some level or another, your smoking makes you incredibly uncomfortable. True? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a mind shift change. Um, you know, a few things to know about smoking. You know, I mentioned this before we started the show. The Centers of Disease Control has a very simple statement about uh, smoking. This is pre-COVID and will be post-COVID too. They say that smoking is the single largest cause. Well, they should say tobacco use is the single largest cause of premature death, preventable disease, and preventable disabilities. More people die annually from smoking than people die in fire, suicide, and homicide combines. Add to that auto crashes, plane crashes, and train wrecks. Add to that all other drug and alcohol abuse. Add to that every American who died in 9-11, every soldier who's been fighting ever since, and people who lose their lives to AIDS. You take all these modalities of a premature death, you make it one number, smoking takes out more. Um, and I always say, you know, I don't know what your politics are, but when you smoke, you are supporting the world's largest, most right-wing, deadly drug cartel, richest drug cartel in the world, which is big tobacco. And by the way, talking about big tobacco, Kevin, within 10 years, they're going to be taxing combustible tobacco to such a high level that it won't really be afforded. Anymore. You know how you said 55 cents and now $10? Yep. That $10 in about 10 years will become $30. And the reason that is, Big Tobacco is trying to make the shift to e-cigarettes. Uh, they, they, they think it'll put them. They think it'll put the Big Tobacco in less harm and still increase their profits. But to say, you know, you know how we hear people say vaping is safer than smoking. It's not. Well, of course not. That's like saying a heart attack should be to stroke. Neither, <laughs> neither is good for you. Exactly. 
and this vaping phenomenon, it's just beginning. It's far from over. And I work with kids who vape. You know, the thing about vaping today is that there are two types of vapes. The one vape where you see somebody blow up this huge amount of steam when they excel, that big puff of cloud. Right. And then you've got, then you've got vapes like the jewels and things like that where they don't give out the stream. So kids can sit in class all day, put what looks like a uh, flash driver in their mouth, take a hit, and then just blow it out. It's not even noticeable. Kids are spending all day in classes nicotine, nicotine, nicotinizing themselves. And let me talk about nicotine. You've heard the word nicotine, right? Oh, yeah. How long have you heard that word for? Uh, oh, yeah. Tars and nicotine, when they were talking about cigarettes, uh, starting to see in the 70s or the, yeah. in so the what, 70s. So you've 80s. heard the word nicotine for many years, right? Oh, yeah. It's an, it's what, a, uh, what um, is it? It's an addictive substance that is a uh, uh, accelerant, or a, uh, I want to say, a, a, anyway, it's it's an addictive substance. No, well, the dictionary definition of nicotine is it's a poisonous, water-soluble alkaloid found in tobacco that's highly toxic and valued as an insecticide. What, <laughs> nicotine, is, what nicotine is, it's an insecticide. And every time you smoke and every time you vape, you might as well be spraying some hot rain down your throat for all the good you're doing yourself. You had time off. You said you went back after you've been back at it for eight years. So that meant you had some time off, right? Yeah, I quit for 15. Yeah. The reason why your throat feels funky, the reason why your chest feels tight, the reason why it may not feel so good is because you spent all day insecticiding yourself. There's no way to make it safe. It's a freaking insecticide. And that's the ding, ding, ding people get, but that ding, 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 it comes with a huge price, self-esteem, health, maybe even life, you know. And I'm not anti-smoking. I really don't care if a person smokes or vapes or not. I'm the biggest supporter of smokers' rights you'll ever meet. Um, I'll, I'll defend a smoker every chance I get when somebody's giving them crap. That said, I don't care if people smoke or not, but I do care deeply if somebody wishes they didn't anymore. And if you wish you didn't smoke, that's where I come in. It's not do you want to quit smoking because that's always going to be ambiguous, but do you wish you were free? Ever been in a bad relationship, Kevin? Oh, certainly not. I was one. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was married for 24 years. The first six months were about great. After yeah. that. Well, it sounds like my story. I'm divorced three years now. So you want to go back with your ex-wife? <laughs> You're a funny guy, Rocky. <laughs> you want no. to go back with your ex-wife? Are you sure? Not a prayer. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's what going back to tobacco was like. It was going like going back to a lousy ex, put you right back where you didn't want to be. That's true. The relationship you share with your cigarettes, Kevin. Well, let, me, well, let me ask you, let me put it to you differently. So you're telling me you still got 15 or more cigarettes a day, right? Somewhere's right around there, yeah. Okay. In your life, who or what comes first? Who or what means more than anything else to you? Uh, my children, yeah. my, um, 
my fellow, uh, the people that are working with me mm-hmm. to develop these podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and and people. Yeah. I, I call. I mean, I'm going to call BS in all three of those things. I no, know. What you, I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You're going to say if you love those people, you wouldn't be putting your health at risk by smoking, because I, it, say, I would never deem of saying that. Oh, okay. What I would let you, what get you to recognize is before all those people and all those things, your cigarettes come first. Because if your family, if your kids meant the most in the world to you, would you still be smoking? Uh, I well, I suppose. Yeah. See, now you got <laughs> you got if me in a quandary. Career, if your career and trying to help as many people really came first, would you still be smoking? No. You know, when cigarettes calling you, there's not a person that will get between you and it. You will walk through concrete to get to a cigarette when it calls you. You never gave cigarettes permission to be the most important thing in the world to you, but they are. And I don't know what your uh, obscenity rules are because this can be flipped, but I always say cigarettes are shaped perfectly because they're just little pricks that want to hurt you. You love them. They don't even know you exist. And, you know, I, I heard you say at the beginning of this that you work with people on, on how to overcome fear, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to tell you right now, fear is not all bad. Sometimes fear is positive. I've got a That's candle burning in front of you, and I say, hey, Kevin, put your finger in that flame and hold it there for 20 seconds. Would you put your finger in the flame and hold it there for 20 seconds? No, because it would hurt me. Ah, so you have a fear of fire. Is that I a healthy do. fear or an unhealthy fear? That's a healthy fear. Right. So not all fear is negative. But when fear overwhelms me, see, you had what you had 15 years off, right? Yep. And at some point you went, screw it. I'll have a cigarette. Well, when you my had son that gave, cigarette, yeah. When you had that cigarette, it was not your intent that Eight years later, you'd be still be struggling with it. it. Was just for that one moment you wanted a cigarette. Well, and every moment for the last for the fifteen years that I didn't smoke, you know how that goes. Yeah, but like I said, you know, when a, here's the best way to look at what I do. When a person calls me, they call me because they hate themselves for smoking, but they love their cigarettes. Yeah. And by the time we're done, I teach them how to actually love their urges and hate the goddamn cigarettes. And I do mean I don't use the word goddamn lightly. I goddamn cigarette, goddamn tobacco executives, god goddamn big tobacco. Um it's just getting bigger. First time mm-hmm. in decades, nicotine use has been going up the last few years. It had been on a steady decline, and that's because of these e-cigarettes. Um, but again, I'm I i do not mind if a person smokes or not. I will bust my ass to help them get free if that's what they really want, though. And I, yeah. know, I don't mean to. The vaping uh, phenomenon is was originally when it came out, it was billed as a quote unquote safer version of cigarettes. A but that's mm-hmm. yeah, but they're really finding out that that's really not true, aren't they? Well, because you're inhaling nicotine to begin with, which is an insecticide. But you're also inhaling par- particulates of heavy metals and all kinds of other substances that are found to keep that liquid going. 
uh, apropil, apropil, I'm not sure if that's right. But it's, it, it, it can't be healthy. It is, it's like saying, taking 30, 40, 100, 50, 150 squirts of ray a day down my throat is good, can be good for me. It can't be good for you. It's a freaking insecticide. How do you make that good? Well, and, and somebody like myself might say, well, you know, I know it's not good for me. I just don't want it to be too bad for me to affect my health and stuff, and, you know. And But I, I know that that's not a rational argument because uh, that doesn't make a whole, <laughs> a whole lot of sense. Exactly, exactly. But if you see, the thing is the mind will lie to you. I've got, I've got a flu. Kevin, ever notice how your mind never shuts up? Oh, yeah. Because it's always yapping at you. Do you want to know why that is? Tell me. Very simple. Survival. Our brain cannot shut off. I mean, our brain does two things. Our brain um, makes sure our heart is beating, our blood is flowing, and the organs are working. And also our mind keeps us in a, in a mode of survival. And since we never want survival is going to be an issue, I never want a car is going to be in my lane or these guys don't look right. And since my mind can't shut off, my mind lies to me. My mind says things to me that I would never permit another person to say to me. And one of the things my mind will often say, I can't stop. I'm never going to make it. I can't do this. When getting off of tobacco in my opinion, is nothing more than a birthright. If, if you wish you didn't do it anymore, well, then please understand that you really do deserve better. Uh, but getting better takes some effort. You know, you want to know what the hardest part of stopping smoking really is. I remember, but tell me, tell me your your experience of it. It's calling me, picking up the phone and calling me is the hardest thing there is to stop and smoking. I always say somebody would rather call a really bad dentist than pick up the phone and call me. I am the last phone call anybody ever wants to make, ever. So I chose a real good business model. <laughs> but, I got lucky, but, but I'm I'm lucky. I mean, I've been at this for a lot of years. You know, I, I'm very proud of the fact that I've been on the TV show, The Doctors, helping a heart attack victim get free. LA Times, ABC. BuzzFeed did a story on my program, which has over 5 million views. So I'm working with people all around the country and literally all around the world from all this now. And the nice thing is I do it on Zoom with my clients. I always do a free consultation. There's no pressure. There's no obligation. Um, it's a four-day program. I take six, six hours over four consecutive days. Um, but... The question I always ask somebody right away is, do you wish tobacco didn't control your life? Not do you want to quit smoking, Kevin. Do you wish you could just kick tobacco to the curb where it wouldn't be a problem in your life anymore? That, see, now that would be, um, because as, as we, you, you well know, Rocky, by the way, we're talking with Rocky Rosen. He is the cigarette whisperer, and he has a program that you can be part of. Just need to give him a call. By the way, Rocky, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, and they don't want to make that phone call, but they make it anyway. How do they get a hold of you? TheCigaretteWhisperer.com. Google The Cigarette Whisperer. Google Rocky Rosen. 
he's got a heck of a website. It's really cool. My phone number is 818-961-6978. That's in the States. If you're out of States, obviously the area code is 001, but we can FaceTime. We can do WhatsApp. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters where you're at. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's I actually, that's... That's a bumper sticker right there. Yeah, it is. Doesn't matter where you are, it's where you're at. Like that. <laughs> that that is that is really cool. Um, okay, let me let me let me ask you because this is when I quit before, and I, I had I caught pneumonia, and um, they were looking they were looking at my uh, X-ray, and uh, the lady said, "You're a smoker, aren't you?" And I said, "Well, how the hell did you know that?" She said, "Well, I'm looking at your chest, and there's you know." And it shows signs. So I quit. But everything that I enjoyed in life, as you well know, um, having having a drink, having a cup of coffee, having sex, having food, uh, everything, being stressed, being not stressed, every, everything that you associate in life, you associate with, with cigarette smoking. Uh, That's right. Even when, even when I quit um, and I was a bartender, and I quit at the time. I got less breaks because the other guys all smoked and they had to go outside to have a smoke. And I had to cover for them. So I got less breaks because I quit smoking. That's kind yeah, of screwed up. made more tips too, but go on. They yeah. <laughs> no, I had to share those. <laughs> but uh, so from the, the standpoint of how do, how do you teach people or work with people to, to get so that they don't have those every 10 minute, I want to. I want Yes. Give me three things you think that might benefit your life by stopping smoking. Uh, <laughs> probably. Um, uh, uh, well, uh, pro probably my breathing, probably my, uh, um, 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 my nasal passages would be clear. Um, and um, after you get past the initial part of it then then it's um it's less expensive and i'd save a ton of money okay so you gave me breathing nasal passages and save money all right tell you what kevin i just got off the phone with jeff bezos and, and, and elon musk before we got on the phone and they both said you know what rocky if you can get kevin mcdonald to stop smoking we will pay him all the money in the world he asks for. We will make him a multi, multi, multi-billionaire. But Kevin, if you want to become a multi-billionaire, one thing you need to do, you need to realize your breathing is going to be all effed up for the rest of your life. So to not be able to breathe well, how much money would you like? <laughs> I would like enough money to get make sure my kids... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. When you die, the money comes back to me. It never goes to your children. Oh, well, that's not fair. Yeah, you said life was. <laughs> good point. There's another bumper sticker. That's two in one show. That's pretty good. Um, no, I how, much, I. how much to surrender your, your ability to breathe freely? How much money would it be take to take to uh, make that worthwhile for you? And you're not going to come up with a number. Tell you what. I will make you incredibly rich. We will just totally screw up your nasal passages for the rest of your life. How much money uh, do you want? 
I'd rather much have money me. You want. Tell you what, I'll give you all the money you want, but when I tell you to do something, you do exactly what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do, what I tell you to do, whether you want to do it or not. But I'll make I'm it I, I make a crappy employee. I would never take that deal. Which is why it's so important to realize that why you would not give up your good health for anybody or for any dollar amount, you give it up to smoke. That, and that is, that, you're absolutely right. That's true. So it's a big part of getting my clients to focus on what their benefits are. Oops. I'm so sorry about that. Let me turn that down. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, well, there's never enough to compensate a person for tobacco takes away from them. And, you know, just tobacco is the, is the leaf that kills more people. Just like the mosquito is, is what kills more people than any other animal, you know? Tobacco kills more people than any other any other substance out there. But being dead isn't the problem. It's that dying process that uh, sucks. Yeah. No, My brother, like I said, had stage four lung cancer, and that's that's a that I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. Were you with him when, as he was dying? Did you see him? I wasn't able to. No, it was during COVID, and and he was on the eastern uh, part of the state. And I was he, died, he died looking like an Auschwitzian, as if he was in Auschwitz. Yes, he did. I guarantee you, your brother died like my mother died, looking no more than like a skeleton with skin hanging off of it. It's a ugly, you know, and that's just that smokers don't see this. They don't see the ugly death that we go through. You see, okay, here's another thing I'll, I'll use with people, Kevin. So are you single? Uh, yes. Okay, so let's say you go to a party with a friend. By the way, parties where a bunch of people gather under the same roof. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, is that what that is? Uh, just like a movie, going to a movie is like where a whole bunch of people get together and watch a TV show. Anyway. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you go to a party and you meet this woman. Um, I'm assuming straight, doesn't matter, gay, straight. Let's say straight. And at this party, there's this woman who's really cute, pretty funny, really sexy, really intelligent, and really successful. And she's all into you. And she says, why don't we get out of here? You go, great. Let me go tell my friend we're leaving. You go to your friend and say, listen, let's get out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving now. I met a woman. He goes, great. Who? And you point to her and he goes, wait, Kevin, don't go with her yet. Don't go with her yet because, Kevin, I know for a fact that she is HIV positive. Now, if you found out this incredibly sexy, exciting, hot woman was HIV positive, do you want to lay around and make out with her? Do you want to splash, <laughs> splash bodily fluids with her? No, I'm pretty sure that I would want to have uh, some hand sanitizer and, and uh, as, uh, social distancing. And why, so why is that? Because what, you don't want to get AIDS? You don't want to get HIV? I would rather, if I have if I have a choice, I'd rather not. Thank you. But what people don't realize, to die from smoking is no different than die from HIV. That's the true. person who dies from smoking looks exactly like an AIDS victim by the time they go out. 
and they live the same life as an eighth victim. And, you know, so here's another little nugget. You know, you know, people who are in quote unquote recovery, drug and alcohol recovery, who will say stopping smoking is harder than stopping doing heroin or drinking yep. or all that stuff. You've heard that, right? Oh, absolutely. Do you want to know why that is? Well, part of that is, uh, um, um, I, I, well, I don't know for a fact, but I'm assuming that part of it is there's an addiction transference once you quit uh, hard drugs and then, and then you haven't quit smoking and smoking and coffee becomes a mainstay. And the last addiction is the one that's impossible to kick. To, the reason to why that is, uh, the reason why that is, is if you ask somebody who's sober, you know, somebody who's a member of AA or something like that, and you ask them, do you remember the day before you got sober? Oh, yeah. And you say, well, what was that day like? And they will tell you, it was one of the worst days of my life. I, I got arrested. I lost my job. I lost my family. Um, unlike drugs and alcohol, tobacco doesn't give you that experience. Right. It doesn't become the worst day of your life. You know, the day before you stop is you don't go through that same quote unquote bottom that a drug and alcohol drug addict or an alcoholic may go through that kind of bottom. Since the only time we hit that bottom is when it's too late. It's when we're cancelled, it's when we've had a heart attack, it's when we've stroked. Um, that we may hit a bottom. And even then people still keep going back to it. Harry Reeser and John Wayne both continue to smoke after having lungs removed from their chest. So did my father. You so did your father. One hell of a scar on your father, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Well, and then he went into uh, the hospital to have half of his second lung removed because he went back to smoking after the first one. And I don't know how he was thinking he was going to be able to breathe after that. And I bet the fir the first lung removal was the left lung, because it's always the left lung that blows out first. As a matter of fact, it was. Um, for whatever reason that is, the left lung is actually larger than the right lung in size. Um, but it's always the left lung goes first. And and the scar your father had went from his back up his up around up through the front up his armpit, they they, 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 they sliced the skin so they could get the skin to be like a, a flap so they can pull it up. And then they get under the rib cage, start cracking some ribs. I mean, the wound is horrendous. Your dad's recovery must have been hell. And then he still thought having another syrup be a good idea. So, yeah, I'm always amazed. I'm always well, and he was a guy, Rocky, that that actually said because we used to get on him for for continuing to smoke after he had cancer, and he made the comment that he said, "Huh, I'm going to die anyway." But go on. No, no. Well, he made the comment that I love it so much. Uh, you can stick my nose into an ashtray. And I just love every part of it. I love the smell of it. I love the actions of it. I love everything. And quite frankly, he made the decision that he was going to go ahead and die 
anyway. And you were exactly right. I'm going to die anyway, so I'm going to enjoy the time I have left. I saw when I was a little kid, Rocky, there was, and so I've got ample evidence. There was a guy that had emphysema, an, an older relative um that i didn't know very well but he smoked uh camel straights you know bear you know bear ass that had no filter and uh he had emphysema he could barely breathe he was on oxygen and he continued to smoke mm-hmm. copd it is advanced stages which is uh what emphysema is it's a form of copd it's like being a fish out of water you can't catch a breath, but you can't die. And every breath is painful. And the reason why he might thought he loves it so much isn't so much that I love the tobacco. I love not being uncomfortable. And when I get an oh. urge, it feels uncomfortable. Yes. So I'll smoke a cigarette. That urge will go away, but then a little later on, I'll have another, another, another. And we smokers, you know, we just don't smoke by the day. We smoke by the decade. And what he loved was not being uncomfortable. The thing he loved about not making himself uncomfortable was just totally screwing up his life. I mean, how much did he like not being able to walk across the room? How much did he love the fact that getting up and going to the bathroom was like climbing Mount Everest? You know, it's what you love just may not love you back you know it's interesting my and just just as another another family example my aunt had copd and they moved into a new place and she got up to go to the bathroom and she forgot her oxygen and died on the way from the bathroom back to her bed because she couldn't and what killed her uh lack of oxygen they said Tobacco. tobacco yes tobacco. because everybody in those days smoked and uh and they and they uh um her husband smoked and she had quit but obviously it was far too late but nowadays every everybody everybody who's a smoker nowadays is pretty much a closet smoker true i, I can't tell how many clients go well nobody knows i smoke <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, you and I both know that's not true, but I'm not going to bust you on that right now. I'll bust you on it later. And, you know, when that when the staff person, you know, I smell smoke on you. Well, I was hanging out with somebody who was smoking. <laughs> I've used that before. I know you have. Yeah, we all have. We all have. What else was I going to say? Stopping smoking is not an event. It's a process. That's very I've true. heard you say a few times that you quit smoking, and you did stop smoking for 15 years, right? Yeah. Yes, sir, I did. But the three words I hate the most is I quit smoking, because when I tell myself I quit smoking, I'm trapped for the rest of my life. You know, I'm, just because I broke up with her before doesn't mean I'm not going to go back with her again. You know, always, there are very few times the thought that smoke would ever occur to me. The thought to smoke would only occur if I was by myself, I was, if I was with one other person or more. That's the only time I'd ever think about it. I only want to smoke when things don't seem to be changed and if they're staying the same. I only want to smoke if I feel great or I feel like crap or I feel anything in between that. Everything. 
for those of us who are addicted, everything becomes another urge. Mm -hmm. And wanting to smoke is not the problem. It's a condition. It's smoking that causes problems. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Wanting to smoke is just a condition I have. I screwed up when I was 13. I thought I'd be cool and hip. And it got me. So I get urges. They're not, the, they're not, my urges are not going to hurt me. So when I smoke, when I actually suck this crap into my body that I get hurt. So, Well, you know, guys, guys like, and there are others besides me, but uh, guys like you, know, you and me, now you're, you're significantly younger than I am. I'm sure I'm 64. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, let's see. I graduated high school in 1970, and you graduated in 75. Oh, very good. You are good. Yes, yes. So, so that's so, that is. I would true. not say I just not significantly older than you, but older than you. Yes, but you remember back then. You remember back in the late 60s and early 70s, and everybody smoked, and it was okay. And and, and prior to that, in the early 60s, they said it was actually good for you. You go to non-smokers' homes, they would have cigarettes out there for you with, you know, and an ashtray for their friends who came over to smoke. My my uh, parents, when I was when I was little, like five, just as a uh, funny story, they we they had uh, they took uh, homemade pictures or or moving pictures. You know, you have the the camera back then and the and the eight millimeter, and they they showed the couch where there were people on the couch and on both sides of the couch in the middle was a uh, um, um, a coffee table with a half gallon of Jim Beam in the middle of it and ashtrays all the way around because everybody had a cigarette and the kids in diapers, I was one of them, were wandering around the, 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 uh, um, the uh, couches and stuff inhaling secondhand smoke because it was really, really smoky. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I grew up with. And everybody smoked back then and and no, wait, uh wait, 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 wait a lot of people smoked back then not yeah. everybody smoked back then. well everybody i knew and and we even, i even got to the point when i was a kid where we would take it one of my dad's unopened pack of cigarettes turn it upside down carefully remove the uh, uh the film open up the foil take several cigarettes out of the back end of it and then and then take uh um Put the foil back and then take a little uh, um, candle and melt the uh, um, the the uh, wrapper back against it and stuff, and so, so that we could steal cigarettes. And he had no, had no idea. That's how involved I was with that kind of thing. It was crazy. Well, we do crazy things for the things we're hooked on. That's true. You know, it doesn't take long to get hooked. No, it doesn't. You know, you want to know how what you want to know how you know when you're addicted. See, we start off as social smokers. You did not start off smoking in a vacuum. You were hanging out with some friends, smoking some cigarettes. Yes. And the when we know we're hooked is when I when I want to have a cigarette. I'm not around any of my friends. It's when I don't care if I'm with my friends or not. I want a cigarette. It's usually the moment where where we realize whether we realize or not we're hooked on this. We're addicted. And yep. it's, so subtle, it's so quiet. It's so subtle. It just winds up taking over your life. 
It's it it is amazing. I, you're bringing you're bringing up all kinds of memories for me because when I was 19 years old, I I had decided I was going to be a boxer, and so I quit smoking and was running and getting into better shape and better shape. I get had my first fight, I lost and uh, um, I had to have surgery to to repair that. So you know what the first thing I did the day after I got home after the loss, mm-hmm. you'll never guess what I did. What did you, you had a cigarette? I went to the store and bought a pack of cigarettes. I so quit for six people, months. That's what people, well, again, that's that word. I quit for six months where really I didn't smoke for six months. It, that's a better way to put it. Yes. Quitting is a trap. Quitting, you know, when I go, I've quit. I'm, I'm just trapped for the rest of my life. You know, yeah. so once again, I don't know how else to put it other than, um, you know, I teach people how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Explain that, please. Okay. I teach people how to get comfortable with their urges instead of always trying to fight and ignore their urges. See, most most time, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think. I've already quit. I don't want to think about it until finally it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I think it's really important to stop and go, you know, I do want to think about it. I, I, First thing I get people on my day one is people who say to themselves before they light a cigarette, you know what, I'm, I've gotten them to admit to me that, they're, that they have an addiction. Um, that this is not just something that's casual. And they'll say things like, I'm nicotine addicted. I want to smoke. I can smoke. I don't have to stop. But there are benefits I want. I want better health, self-esteem, freedom, live better, smell better, taste better, more energy, less fear. For my family, for my friends, for myself to never have to quit again. And I, I just get them, it's, it's, it's just a small little mind shift of learning how to use the urges and not fight the urges, not, not trying to ignore and deny those urges because the more we try to fight, ignore and deny them, the bigger they just seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they finally just blow up in our face. And uh, So do you teach people then to transfer that urge to something else something that's perhaps healthy for them or yeah what's the technique um i but no i don't say instead of smoking eat melba toast or something like that uh it's sit with the feeling the feeling's not going to kill you the feeling's not even going to hurt you you're just so afraid you just you got a monkey on your back I know you want to take your fist and knock it off, but the more you try to punch it, the more it digs in. It's learning how to love the monkey. That way to take the monkey off the back. Let me get another way of looking at this. So you're a dad. I'm a dad. How old are your kids now? 33 and 30. Let's make the 33-year-old three years old. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not that hard to do. And you've been out all day. And who's the, who's the, what's the first name of your 33 year old? Travis. You come home and Travis is three and he sees you. He goes, daddy, daddy, daddy. And he comes rushing up to you and you go, Travis, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. Leave me alone. And if you tell an excited child to leave you alone, what's that kid going to do? It's going to cry. Dad, 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 dad. How long will a kid do that? For? They will do it forever. Same scenario, Travis comes, daddy, 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 and you swoop him up and you hug him and you love him. You tell him how beautiful he is and how much you've missed him and just give him a whole bunch of love. And a few moments he's here going, 
put me down. I want to go over there now. The more we try to ignore the urges, the bigger and louder they get. The more I can just stop, acknowledge the urge, think about my benefits, they kind of just split. One at a time. I mean, what's bigger, you or the universe? Uh, <laughs> the universe. I was going to make a snide comment, but I won't. The universe. And what happens, instead of having all these feelings get plugged up inside of you, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, we just keep releasing them so they're not all plugged up inside of us. I'm what you might call a leap of faith. People want to turn, people turn to me, they're, it's a leap of faith. But if you'll take that leap, I promise I'll catch you. I promise I'll show you a different way. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I got very lucky. It's It's been my blessing. It's been my curse as well. Um, but I, there's nothing I like more than taking a person who knows they'll never stop. And then my favorite days are day one and day four. Day one is when a person goes, okay, I'll try it, but I know this will never work. And day four, when somebody goes, I can't believe I got 24 hours off. And by the way, although it is just a four-day program, I offer long-term continuous support follow-up and support My which is to... which is really important if if somebody feels it's because there are days you know well, rocky you know and when you're a smoker there are days and then there are days there are days when you're strong and you're feeling good and you feel like i can conquer the world and i cigarettes who needs that and then something goes wrong day two day three day mm-hmm. four and, and it's been building and building, and then somebody uh, cut you off at the highway. You look or for any Peter, excuse. Or in Peter Jennings' case, 20 years later after he stopped smoking. Uh, that's, that's a, yeah, exactly. And then he smoked over 9-11. And then he was dead three years later. Yeah. You know, it Once addicted, always addicted. Well, Ever look at a flame and go, hey, maybe this flame is, isn't as hot as other flames? <laughs> I, that has never crossed my mind. <laughs> well, this addiction, whether I'm smoking or not, it's always hot. Yeah. Even eight years later, you thought you can get away with just having one. Yep. And here you are years later going, what the how do I get, how do I get out of here? Oh, yeah, I should yeah. say after 15 years later, you thought you can get away with just one. Yeah, we exactly. Don't get away with this one. You know who gets away with this one? A non-smoker. <laughs> because I mean, and because I, it makes them ill, like they're going to throw up. I've seen millions and millions of social smokers get addicted. I have never seen an addicted smoker go back to being just an occasional social smoker. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's it's so it's what? it really honestly is not possible that to to just. Uh, relax and have a drink and then and then have a cigarette and then uh, wake up and not and the, the first the first that happened to me I, I said he, my son was smoking which he got from me earlier in his life no he didn't he got it from himself well that's true he got it because he was hanging out with some friends who pulled out some cigarettes and he wanted to be cool uh, that's true that's what happened to me it's not your parents didn't get you smoking. You got you smoking. Oh, but I want to blame them. That's so much easier, boss. You yeah, know. Well, sure. 
<laughs> well, I got a joke for you, by the way. You want to know why smokers cross the road? Uh, yes. It's because people who don't smoke are telling them not to. <laughs> Ever notice the more somebody tells you don't smoke, it makes you want to smoke more? Of course. Yeah. Um, one of the things I try to educate people is that doesn't help anybody saying don't smoke. It's just, it's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. Exactly. It's a, well, it's the same thing the way it used to be. If it, why was it that when they allowed smoking in restaurants, why was it that right when your food came is when you just lit a cigarette? That happened all the time. Those were the days. <laughs> you know what kids will never see that you and I saw? Remember going to the movies when we get smoke in the theaters and as you could walk up towards the lobby while the film is going, you could see the film in the uh oh yes and the smoke. It's, it's, yeah, it's, oh I know. I know I still go on. I say I still will walk into a restaurant and go and wait for them to say, Hello, sir, would that be smoking or not? That didn't last for very long. No. It was like only three or four years. This whole non smoking phenomenon all began with elevators because elevators were the first place where they put no smoking signs up. And I remember that was in nineteen ninety one. And I was telling my clients at that point, watch what's going to happen. Soon you won't be able to smoke at work. Soon you won't be able to smoke in restaurant and all these things. All oh, that will never happen. <laughs> it did. It did. And and now, and now like the, the and where I live in, in Seattle, there's a casino. It's called the Muckleshoot. Huge, huge, huge casino. Now they're doing commercials about, you know, we have a smoke-free area that nobody's allowed to smoke and it's nice and clean and fresh and healthy and so you can go spend money there but then they have a gambling addiction <laughs> so, hey and you know what nobody gets out of this thing unscathed no that is so true that is so true rocky i gotta tell you i i have enjoyed spending this time together you are you are quite uh um number one you're very kind you're very calm um and i can tell that you are very vested in in your clients health and dealing with, and i may have to call you one of these days soon Kevin, hardest phone call you ever make there is a um, um young lady who's listening to this and uh i hired her as my executive producer and she keeps on saying you know i'm just hoping that we can make this successful before you die and they... <laughs> that is funny that is funny <laughs> So well, I you know what, Kevin, I, uh, smoking is not worth dying over. Oh, just, I know. But that's what so many people do. You know, today, over 1,400 people in the U.S. will die from smoking. That's just an incredible number. Mm -hmm. And and that, that's a number that nobody talks about. That's that's one of those, you know, and, 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 you know, you're, it, because they don't, they don't know how to talk about it. They don't know what to do about it. It's By the way. I always tell people, everybody tells people to stop smoking, but nobody shows them how until now. Exactly. Well, you, you know, and you know what, what sentence you got me? What sentence? Um, the sentence you said to me that, that got me thinking the most, other than the fact of my health and stuff, is the... Um, Ultra white ring, uh, ultra white 
wing. Ultra um, right, the most deadly drug cartel, the most far right wing drug cartel, and the richest drug cartel is tobacco. See, I do believe in making it political because it is a political issue. Well, I cannot believe when you think when you really think about it. If you look at the statistics and everything that goes along with what you have said here, and also how bad it is for people that we can, if you're over 18 or 21, as the case may be in some places, that you can go and you can buy something that will, that says right there on the package, it will kill you. It if, will if you, you. Yeah. yeah. But nothing else is sold illegally like that. No. And it's because there's so much money involved with the uh, um, in the political system and with the uh, um, lobbyists and stuff that they don't want to give up the money. It's a great tax base. It's a great the government doesn't want to give up either. The government hates that smoking is as bad as it is. Oh, I know. Well, I think three dollars of every pack in in Washington, where I live, three dollars of every pack goes to taxes. So, and they call it a sin tax, and so they're happy to charge a sin tax until people like buy. Said, like I said, in about ten years, your pack will be about thirty dollars a pack. Right. You know, in Australia, in Australia, it's it's Australian dollars, but a, a pack is about twenty two to twenty five dollars a pack. I'm actually working with a woman in Australia later today. They're spending twenty to twenty-five dollars per pack. Oh and wow! They do it. Now I'm I'm cheap enough that I I've been doing the math lately, and the math is not the if you look at it. If I smoke a pack a day or close to a say six packs a week, that's sixty. That's hundred. That's two hundred and forty dollars a month. That is three thousand dollars a year virtually of money that I'm just lighting and, and blowing up. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't <laughs> no. make you a stud. It doesn't do anything positive other than drain your wallet and drain your health. Yes, sir. Well, I, my, my smoking, I'll tell you, my smoking days are, are nearing the end, if not at the end. So I'm, You don't know that. Uh, you're right. I don't. You don't know that. You hope it's nearing the end. Kevin, you should call me offline sometime. Let me show you what I do. I would love to. Well, then I would suggest maybe you do that when you have time. This has been nothing but an honor. I don't know what else. Is there more we're going to do now? Which I'm not trying to rush us off. Or are you frozen? Ladies and gentlemen, we're having technical difficulties right now. I would love to. Let me, let me. <laughs> You're frozen, man. All here. There he is. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. <laughs> hi. My name is Rocky Rosen. They call me anyway. Yes, indeed. And by the way, Rocky, um, I've got a windstorm going on here, so I'm probably going to lose you. And we've been at this for almost an hour. I want to thank you personally. And yes, I will. I will give you a call and talk to you more Good. about this. I, I, wish you you would, I wish you would. Well, listen, it's been nothing but an honor. And I, I really want to thank you. 
And I really am here for you. And if you're somebody who's struggling with it, like I said, the hardest call you ever make is calling me, but I will be there for you if you'll make that call. So just have a great day. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you as well. And by the way, if you want to go talk to Rocky, go to the cigarettewhisperer.com and he's got his phone number there and you can email him and uh, it's cheaper than going to the 7-Eleven and buying a pack of cigarettes. That's for sure. Have a beautiful day. Thank I you will. So much. Thank you. Thank you, Rocky. You have yourself an awesome afternoon and I hope your client from Australia does well. Well, we'll see. Meantime, just stay safe, mask up, and uh, be well. You as well, sir. And it's been it's been an utter. Will you? Can I get you to come back another time? Anytime. Awesome. I want to put. Get, you... How about we come back after we get you smoke free? That would be that would require a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> um all right all, all, give it, all right give it, some thought. give it some thought outside of that man just have a great day and thank you so much for the opportunity let me be here with you i will do, we will do that when i when i'm smoke free we will have you on kknw 1150 a.m so that you can tell the world about about how we did it together because i can't well, do it you can't do it alone we did it together much more than me telling the world that would be that would be even be more special let's not again, let's not get ahead of ourselves but again kevin just have a great day thank you and thank you for any of the guys any of the people out there listening i have to and you as well if you'll wait there just one second i'm gonna do this and then i'll be right back Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other is all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.